Hey everyone, before the podcast begins this week, I feel that a little bit like I'm working for NPR, uh, but I want to make a quick little word. Uh, on my Podbean page, when you uh, go over to that, there's going to be a link uh, you can click to get over to the Urban Village Church org backslash give page. Um, it would really help us out in our ministry if you would take a moment and think about donating to our church. Uh, I won't talk about this a lot, but occasionally I'm going to drop this announcement in before we start the podcast. So again, if you go to my Podbean page uh, in order to listen uh, and then click so that you can support us, uh, any size gift is awesome and it helps us to continue to do the ministry that we feel called to do. All right, thanks. Here's the podcast. Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my podcast, friends. It's great to um, have you tune in and download. Hope you've had a good week. We are in the midst of this sermon series that we started last week here at my church about sex and relationships. And today we're looking at a passage from 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. And this is in chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. So listen to these words. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is meant for not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So you may have heard of something called the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment, which was done in the late 1960s and early 1970s, a study on delayed gratification. So there was a psychologist named Walter Mischel, who was a professor at Stanford, and what he did was he would take children and he would put them in a room and he would give them a choice. The child, with this small reward in front of them, it could have been a, it was sometimes a marshmallow or maybe a cookie or a pretzel, the child could take that one reward now, or if they waited, say 15 minutes or so, they would get two of the rewards. So eat it now, and that's fine. Or if you can wait with this little goodie in front of them, then you will not only get that goodie, but you'll get one more too. And this study has been talked about quite a bit. And in fact, on YouTube, and I'll put a link on my Podbean page, uh, you can see today uh, people still doing this experiment to see how children respond in this exercise in delayed gratification. What was interesting in that follow-up studies, the researchers found that children who were able to wait for their reward tended to have better life outcomes. And they measured this by things like SAT scores, educational attainment, body mass index, and other things as well. 
I'm sure there have been lots of studies done on this, like what does this mean, uh, how much are children able really to delay gratification, all these things, but I find this really interesting, especially in today's society, when we think to ourselves, if something tastes good, feels good, will bring me pleasure, then I want it now, and I don't really want to think about the consequences. So when we think about things that might bring us pleasure and whether we want them now or to delay it, certainly we think about sex is going to be one of those things. If I want to uh, receive gratification or pleasure, I want it now. I don't want it to delay anything. And I can do that because I'm an individual, right? I'm free. I'm free to do what I want. Well, today as part of this sermon series, I want to take a look at uh, really the main utensil or tool, if you want to call it that, that we need for sex, and that is our bodies. And our bodies in our society, when we think that I'm free, I'm a free individual, I can do what I want, and freedom is something that is highly valued in our world today. Whether you're on the right or the left, no matter what, people will say, it's my body, it's my life, I don't care what anyone else thinks, I will do whatever I want. If I want instant gratification, then I will take that marshmallow now, and yes, I will also try to have two later, because I'm free, I can do what I want. Well, interestingly, when you look at this text from 1 Corinthians, the people in this city of Corinth felt kind of the same way. Freedom was also very highly valued for the Corinthians. And it partly because they felt like because of Christ, because they felt like they had possession of the Holy Spirit, that's all they ever really needed or desired. And because of that, they could do anything they want. So if you noticed in this scripture, it starts off by saying, all things are lawful for me. And that happens twice. And really, that is Paul, who's the author of this text that I read earlier, this part of this letter. That is Paul quoting what the Corinthians say to him. Does that make sense? So when Paul hears a, a member of the Corinthian congregation or a member in the city or lives in the city of Corinth, they will say, hey, all things, all things are lawful for me. Or in other words, anything goes. And that was kind of their slogan at the time. All things are lawful for me, which means that I can do anything I want because I have Christ. I've got the Holy Spirit. That means anything goes. And that includes being sexually free, no matter what. So Paul is doing his best to try to say, let's slow down a minute and bring in a counter view, a drastically counter view. Paul is saying you're not as free as you think. You are not your own. In fact, Paul says, you belong to someone, and that someone is a capital S. You belong to God. Paul says in this text, our bodies are used for two things. And he notes this at the very end of the text, when he says, therefore, glorify God in your body. And also, Paul says, that we need to be aware that we are part of the body of Christ, And that means that what we do, we may think that I'm all about me, I'm an individual, I'm free. And Paul is saying, you're not so free if you are a follower of Christ, because A, you want to use your bodies to bring glory to God, and your actions do have an impact on the body that you're a part of, the body of Christ. And when we begin to think about that, if we 
that are all tracking with what Paul is saying. And I think he was hoping that the people who are hearing this or reading this were tracking with him on this too. That changes things. Changes how we see our bodies, how we treat our bodies, how we think about gratification and pleasure. If we realize that our bodies are not our own, that may make us pause, may have us think differently about how we treat ourselves and certainly how we treat others. And that certainly is true when we talk about sex and relationships too. And again, this is very countercultural. Because so often we think to ourselves, or at least society is telling us, culture is telling us, do whatever you can to wring the most pleasure out of the sexual experience. And there are lots of different ways that you can do that, but the key is how good it makes you feel. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel good when you have sex. What I'm saying is so often the message is what matters most, what matters most is how you feel. I did an unbelievably unscientific survey this week about that. So I went to a search engine and I typed in, how can I have better sex? How can I have better sex? And there were 686 million responses, according to Google. So then I typed in, how can I help my partner have better sex? And again, I realized totally unbelievably unscientific, but I thought it was kind of interesting anyway. 185 million. So still quite a bit, but the how can I have better sex sex had five times the number that how can I help my partner have better sex. So when we think about that, again, I think it speaks a little bit to our society and culture's emphasis on whatever it takes for you to get the most out of it. That's the most important thing. And so when we look at this and the whole thing about thinking about sex differently. And this is what Paul is getting at. That we can look at sex and relationships, not just at how is this going to make me feel good. But Paul is saying, and I think he talks about sex in this too, we need to think and realize that we are doing this, we are part of this, and that somebody else is affected as well. Sex is not just about individual pleasure. In the message translation of verse 16 in this text, it says this, There's more to sex than than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. This is what Paul is getting at. There's so much more here, not just with our bodies, but certainly with sex here, than just individual gratification and pleasure. So if we think about that, and then if we think, ask ourselves the question, well, how do I use my body, not just about sex, but in other ways too? How do I use this body that has been given to me? Am I using it to bring glory to God? Am I using it to be part of the body of Christ so that I am using my body to serve and love somebody else? Or am I only using it for self-pleasure? Am I using my body simply to make an impression on somebody? And that's the only reason. Or am I also seeking to glorify God and to serve others? It's an important question. Like, how do we think about our bodies? So often in our society, again, we think about bodies and we think about, often our our first reaction might be negative. Like, we might feel shame 
in certain parts of our body. So if we think about, I want to use my body to bring glory to God, my first, our first reactions might be, well, but first I need to lose a little weight, or I need to make this slight change, uh, or I don't know if I can do that because of my uh, hair or because of this part of my body that isn't shaped exactly the way I want to. And so thinking about get, thinking about having our uh, bodies bring glory to God might be the last thing that we uh, would consider. And yet this is Paul's encouragement to us. I was reading this week an article by an Anglican priest and author. Uh, he was the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, so essentially the head of the Church of England for a number of years, a man named Rowan Williams, a wonderful author, and he was right. He wrote an article quite a few years ago about sex and was really trying to have people think about it differently and to think about how they can use their sexual relationships in order to uh, further and make another feel more loved and more desired. So I want to read two quotes from what Williams said that really touches on this. He says this, To desire my joy is to desire the joy of the one I desire. My search for enjoyment through the bodily presence of another is a longing to be enjoyed in my body. We are pleased because we are pleasing. And then he continues, And the moral question, I suspect, ought to be, how much do we want our sexual activity to communicate? How much do we want it to display a breadth of human possibility and a sense of the body's capacity to heal and enlarge the life of others? When I read this, I, it really made me stop and reflect and think about myself as a sexual being. I have never thought about it necessarily in this way. But can my, and I encourage all of us to think about this, can one's sexual activity display a breadth of human possibility and allow ourselves to help heal and enlarge the life of another? Isn't that interesting? that we might be able to see ourselves as bodies, as physical beings, and we might be able to use these bodies in lots of different ways to enlarge the life of another. That is glorifying God. I think that's what Paul is getting at. That is what it means to be the body of Christ. That if we can use our body in lots of different ways to help heal and enlarge the life of another, and that includes our sexual lives too, that we might think about how can I help heal or enlarge the life of my partner as well. Last week I mentioned uh, the GPS of sex, that sex is gift, that sex is perplexing, and that sex is selfless or sacrificial, that it is not just about you, but that somebody else is part of this as well. How can my body enlarge the life of the other? When so often we think of our bodies maybe as being a little awkward, we're not fully 100% pleased with how we look or how we act and respond. And I was thinking about that this week, not only in my own uh, relationship with my wife, but also in other ways too. And I use my body. And so a couple things came to mind. We did, um, earlier this week, I saw two 
people who used to be student pastors and I saw them and my first reaction was like, I should like give them a hug, but hugging for me, for some reason has been awkward my whole life. It's not that I don't like to hug people. I think so often I think a lot about it in that I don't, I think we're taught as clergy, like there are boundaries and I don't want to come off as being uh, overly uh, sexual or I don't want to abuse this, any power that I might have in this position. And so what turns out to be kind of sometimes awkward physical touch and hugging, and that doesn't really necessarily feel uh, satisfying either. We had a a leadership conference at Urban Village this morning, and uh, one of the people from my church, a woman named Lois Snavely, was teaching us about how we can use our bodies and relax our bodies uh, so that we can be more welcoming, and that we, we, in fact, we practiced shaking hands with one another so that we weren't robotic. We practiced hugging, acknowledging that there are some people for whom hugging uh, is is an issue. They may not like physical touch, and that's or be uncomfortable with physical touch, and that's perfectly uh, okay. But at least to begin to figure that, how can we be a welcoming presence? How can we use our bodies to enlarge the life of another in that way? And so I thought about this whole hugging thing, but I also thought last Sunday, uh, as I was walking, actually I was walking. I preached at uh, our Wicker Park site last week, and I was walking there. Or walking through to the train, and I was at uh, the Jackson uh, subway stop here in Chicago, and I needed to get to the red line to the blue line. And for those who in Chicago when, who know what that's like, you need to uh, you start, you get off at the red line, and then you go down some stairs, and then you go through this, t- really it's a tunnel, kind of a dark, dingy tunnel. And there was a man there that week, uh, or last Sunday, who was asking for money. And in the city, certainly you see people out and about asking for money quite often. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't always give money. I rarely give money. Uh, but on this day, I felt really kind of moved to do so. And so I stopped. And rather than just dropping money in his uh, hat, I stopped and just asked him what his name was. And he told me his name was Brian. And I just wanted to give him eye contact. And then I touched his hand and just said, bless you, Brian. And I just had a feeling that in that moment, just that simple act of a physical touch that that made a difference. I have no idea if it did. Maybe I was just patting myself on the back a little bit too much. But in our society too, especially when either you are you notice or you may even, uh, because you come across people who are poor so often that you don't even see them as people, then I'm sure that they don't feel the touch of another. But even people in our virtual worlds too, that the physical act of touch has been lost, that we don't think of our bodies as a healing presence. We may think of our words as that way, but not our skin. So when we think of ourselves, and I want us to begin to see our bodies regardless of how it looks, to see them and our skin as beautiful and as agents that can help heal another. And that includes in our sexual relationships, With your partner, what can you do to enlarge their lives, to help heal them perhaps in that relationship? Or perhaps if whether you're not in a sexual relationship or you're in a place where you're confused about that or you're not ready for that, is there a way that you can also use your body to enlarge the life of another, to glorify God through your bodies as well? And that is my hope that we can use our bodies in this way to bring glory to God, to 
to be part of the body of Christ and to help heal and enlarge the life of the other. Knowing that God did that with us because God came to us in the flesh in Jesus. And may we enflesh that with others as well. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast this week. I'll be back again next week as we continue our way through this series. I hope that um, God's peace, grace is with you, and I pray that you will begin to think about how your body, that you can use that body to uh, bring healing to another as well. Amen. Sleep.